Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about rejection. One of the Latin roots for rejection actually means to cast off or to cast away. Uh, Every single person in this room this morning, regardless of what we look like, our background has been rejected. We've been rejected perhaps by family members, uh, by friends, by colleagues, maybe our work colleagues. But it, it's, it's global and it's also personal. And if we go back to the original order in Adam and Eve, we go back then. Uh, when sin came into the world, humanity was rejected because God is so holy that God had to send his son so that you and I could get access to God. So the big picture is this, that every single person in here has a gap that only God can fill. It cannot be filled by nightclubbing or trying to be the life of the party. It can't be filled by cocaine or drugs or some stimulus. It it, it can't be filled by more alcohol or more sexual relationships. It can't be filled by higher education or status or more money because a lot of people get to the top of life, how we would see that in this world, and yet are so empty on the inside. They go to bed at nighttime and they're they're empty in their soul and they realize there has to be something more to life. You and I were created with a soul and that simply means that you've got a physical frame or a body The Bible refers to that called the outward man. But also you have a soul inside. Animals have a soul. Dogs have souls. And the soul is a mind, will, and emotion. So every animal you see has a mind, a will, and emotions to some degree. Animals move by instinct. But we move a little bit different. We are more delicately woven. We're in the image of God. What we have that the animal kingdom doesn't have is a spirit. And the Spirit, when you become born again or you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you are basically turning your back against sin and an old lifestyle and saying, God, I need you. In fact, really what you're saying is, God, I want to come home. Because that is your destiny is to be with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the good thing about this is God gives everybody a free will. You can be what you want to be. You can do what you want to do. It may have... uh, uh, legal ramifications on this earth, but essentially you've been given a free choice. God doesn't impose himself on anybody. There's an invitation, and he's always put out the invitation to say, come to me, all of those who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you can go to bed at nighttime seeking some rest and still wake up in the morning tired and exhausted because you're fighting with life, you're fighting with yourself. And what God wants to do, he wants to come in by the power of his Holy Spirit and actually supernaturally come into your spirit and make you alive on the inside. When God, when you had that encounter with God, it's more than religion. I grew up in a religious household. There were certain ethics, certain principles that we needed to live by. 
but I had never really encountered God. I knew about God. I understood uh, what God was like. I knew some of the Old Testament and some of the New Testament stories, but I hadn't really had an encounter with God. I sat in church week after week, year after week. The songs would make you cry. I, I, I resonated with an atmosphere that I thought, God, surely you're in this place. But I still hadn't come to a place where I'd actually said, God, I want you. God, I need you. I want to turn away from my old life style and I want you to come inside and set up your dwelling in me. So when you become born of the Spirit of God, there's a difference that goes on. Essentially what you're saying is this, I want to turn my, uh, my back on sin, addiction and the power of self-will and I now want you to shine through my personality. Now, the difference is you still retain your personality, but it might mean that you've got rejection. You might be obnoxious. You might be have an edge to you, yourself that offends people. And what God does, He irons those things out. So, so when you'd rather uh, be offensive or rather hurt somebody or rather react, what God is doing now, He's putting a spirit inside you where you actually want to love one another. You want to be kind. You want to be generous towards other people. This is called the fruit of the Spirit. God has fruit like a tree. And on that fruit, it's identified in Galatians 5 as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control. So right now, what happens is this, even though you might be in the kingdom of God, you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you're not a complete person yet. You're a work in progress. Because back in the day when Adam and Eve had sinned, essentially brokenness came into the human order or brokenness came into the world. We were born with a crooked or an evil nature that was bent towards sin. I never had to tell my kids, and I guess if you're a parent also, you didn't really have to tell your kids, look, son, I want you to lie. <laughs> I want you to be selfish. No, we went the other way and we try to knock selfishness out of them and the lying out of them and, and make them good because it's inherent in a kid ultimately to be self-willed. It's my will. It's what I want to do. And uh, how does it affect me? And what God wants to do is break the shackles of that pride and selfishness and establish such a, a love of God with inside me that it's no longer I that live it, but it's Christ who lives through me. That I begin to care about the unprivileged. I begin to care about a generation that's, that's lost. I begin to care about people that are addicted. I begin to care about broken marriages. And we do it without the spirit of judgment. We do it without the spirit of condemnation upon them. We do it because we want them to be reconciled back to God. Every single person in this room today that has surrendered their life to Jesus has given one unique ministry, and that is God has called and ordained you to reconcile people back to Jesus. You understand that? That's, that's your role in life. You might be a, a work for Air Rarotonga, or you might be a mechanic somewhere else, or you might be making cakes, or you might be in the law firm or work for government. You might be setting legislation and policies. But as a born-again Christian, your main, uh, your main function, if you like, is to actually be like a go-between. You are to, like a mediator. You are to bring people to Christ through your lifestyle through your love and compassion and through your uh, selfless living. That's, that's the ministry that Jesus Christ has given you. Now, sometimes we get so preoccupied by trying to pay the bills and we get our esteem goes into our job and all that sort of stuff and we forget the main thing that these things are like little promised lands 
uh, a kind of like a vehicle whereby we express Jesus to our world. Okay? Right. Remember I told you about Adam and Eve? Since that time, you and I inherited brokenness, rejection. We were born rejected. Did you know a baby, when it comes out, if you understand it all, and a baby is actually, even though its, its soul is small and hasn't been developed and the intellectual side of a, a baby is, is very small and developing, it understands by its soul whether it's accepted and whether it's loved or not. That baby knows whether it's coming into the world where dad and mum, where dad is around. If dad's not there and it's just mum, there's something subconscious in that child's life knows that there's a lacking. Uh, a children, when dad and mum argue and there's a divorce going on, the children invariably take it on board as if it's their problem, as if it's their fault and begin to blame themselves. There's a thing called a root of rejection that's basically a root, and if I was to draw a picture up here, a root is uh, the rejection uh, that the, the, when we don't like ourselves, when we're rejected by others, when we reject ourselves, that thing sits as a pit in our stomach it begins to monitor our thoughts, begins to dictate the way we feel, the way we see, and the way we interpret life. What God wants to do is root out the spirit of rejection. You see, if the rejection's like this, it's like a little root of a tree, and there's a whole lot of uh, uh, branches that go up into uh, leaves and stuff. And you look at, uh, you look at pornography, it's, only, it's not a root. Pornography's not a root. It's a symptom. It's a branch. Uh, gambling. It's a branch. Alcoholism. Branch. Immorality. Branch. Cigarette smoking. My dad used to smoke 80 cigarettes a day. It's just a branch. And you, you can try and cut those things off. But if you don't get to the root, something else will manifest. A friend of mine got rid of the smoking one time and thought he was doing a great job. I was able to make it, break free from the smoking, but never dealt to the roots of addiction, and he started to eat full on. Got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because the root had been not dealt with. They had gone for the fruit. And what Jesus wants to do is go back. And what happens in life is that we're not identifying things. We're not recognizing uh, we're not beginning to see that rejection is part of our life for some of us. And, and we go about life a little bit like a wound with an Achilles heel. We don't recognize it. We, we just go on with life performing and, and all sorts. But Jesus says, I need to put you on the operating theater for a season. As a great surgeon, I need to get in there and get that out because we want to be free. Now, the Bible says it talks about freedom indeed. I want to be free. You know, when I got saved, I wasn't completely free. I still had areas of immorality or, or sexual immorality and lust and so forth in my life and, and a temper and anger and all sorts of stuff, a short fuse, but it was over a process. God had to come in and actually clean me up. I was on my way to heaven. If I died that night, that's where I've been going. Through the blood of Jesus, He cleansed me from past sin. But I was walking with some areas of my life that God was beginning progressively making me more like Jesus. So I'm actually a nicer guy than what I was this time last week. No, than, than I was uh, years ago. 
And, and, I, and what happens is I can stop Jesus. I can stop and work and I, and I become stagnated. I just become the same person. But there's more for us to go through. In Luke 4, 19, it says, this is the acceptable year of our Lord. Why? Because Jesus is on the scene. And then it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, Paul says, and on the day of salvation, I have helped you. Acceptable year. Ephesians 1, 6, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now there's nobody that's been rejected as much as Jesus Christ. I don't think so. Trailing his life, there's not too many people as a baby that was born, there was an assassination attempt on Jesus. He tried to kill him, King Herod. In fact, he killed hundreds and hundreds of Jewish infants, boys, trying to hopefully find the Messiah in there. So there was a hit on Jesus' life. Dad and mum had to escape and go to two different areas, keep away from Herod until Herod had died. And then when he grows up, there's all sorts of dynamics and difficulties. We don't get to hear it too much about Jesus' teenage years. But what we do know is family rejected him. Joseph struggled. And then, then you go through Jesus' life, you actually look at Jesus' life through it, he was constantly buffeted with ridicule. He was made fun of. His hometown of Nazareth rejected him. But he was persecuted, he was ridiculed, he was criticized all the right through, way through. And then the religiosity or the religious system, they hated him. They plotted to kill him. And then finally they got hold of Jesus in the fullness of time and they murdered an innocent guy. Not killed somebody, they murdered him. And then on the cross, he gets rejected by God because he took humanity's rejection. And he cries out and he says, Father, Father, why have you rejected me? So when you look at his life, when you look at Isaiah, I think it's 53, he took our shame. Now, shame, when you've got rejection, look at rejection. Two things go in the network of uh, rejection is shame and unbelief. Those two things. Very important to understand where there's rejection, there's shame. You walk into a building and you identify it this way. You just don't feel fitting in. Rejection, some of the symptoms and manifestations, if you walk into a group and you are concerned about how you fit in, I'm telling you that's rejection speaking. If you walk into a church and wonder, oh, am I going to be accepted? Are people going to be talking to me? All of that, that's rejection. I think we've got to put some legs to this because for most people, it's just a word. For a lot of men, you've been rejected as a kid. You know what you did? You shut your emotions right down that you couldn't even feel. And wives know that. They say he's kind of one of those guys that have shut everything. Shut the emotions way, 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 way down that you don't actually have feeling. That's not a great way to live. And then, you know, we grow up our kids, we, we train up our children, and because we don't have feeling, we don't give them love or compassion or empathy or, the, or affection. And then we're in a situation where we're not transferring this onto our children, and our children grow up hard, hard doers. We just, we, 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 help, we hold ourselves into this. Some girls that have been betrayed and hurt and rejected, so you make internal vows and decisions not to trust again. That's rejection. We have agreed with rejection. It's like a spirit that trains us, a spirit that trains us how to think, how to say, how to talk. 
Rejection carries shame. It carries unbelief. Uh, these things. Okay, so um, when it comes to shame, let me talk about that. Shame basically says, I am damaged. <laughs> There's something wrong with me. I'm not accepted. I have little value. I'm not as good as others. I don't fit in because of who I am. I could never accomplish my dreams. These things, we would never say that outwardly, but our emotions say it to us. That's how that thing works. Okay, so this is how this thing goes. A demonic spirit of rejection can actually sit in the soul of a human being, and it speaks to us. It talks to us. It interprets us. It begins to do our thinking for us, and we think it's us. And it just begins to chip away, begins to talk to us, and these kinds of things. There are whole people groups that feel despised. There are people that, that have had these things for year in and year out, and uh, God is addressing this and uncovering it. So, so then we look at the scripture in Matthew 9, 10, 13. What God does, God brings a thing called honor. Honor the men, honor the woman, honor the children, honor the age. He brings high value. Jesus loves the world, and so he honors us. And so in the Bible, in the scripture here, it talks about uh, sinners and tax collectors. Why would you categorize people like that? You could have said sinners and somebody else, but sinners and tax collectors. A tax collector back in Israel was a Jewish regime that worked in a Jewish community that took taxes on behalf of the suppressive Roman government and they would clip the ticket. So they were seen as betrayers. They were seen as the low life. And then it's got here, the Pharisees, they challenge him. Now what happened is Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners separated them out. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher, this is like the, the church in those days, okay? That'll be like uh, Natasha and I sitting down, I don't know, I don't know, well, a prostitute or a murderer or somebody, that's, I don't know, I don't know, somebody that society would say is don't talk to, maybe a pedophile. We're sitting and talking to that person and somebody in the church said, why are you talking to them? But listen to what Jesus does. I want you to capture this. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The big question, Jesus Aren't you supposed to be holy? Aren't you supposed to be above all that? Aren't you supposed to hang out with us, the righteous, the, the good people of society? Why would you stoop so low to actually hang out with sinners and dine with them and have dinner with them and also tax collectors? I mean, come on, they're ripping us off and they're working for those guys. Why would you even do that? You're supposed to be Jesus. Okay, and then Jesus in verse 12, he says, when Jesus heard that, he said to them, this is his recorded works, those who are well and physically good and inside good have no need for a doctor. But those who are sick, but go and learn this, I desire mercy, in other words, compassion, and not just sacrifice, not just doing your thing, paying your tires or, or doing this or, or whatever. But I desire mercy for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now here's a guy, his name is Zacchaeus. Can you say a weird name? Can you say that this morning? Zacchaeus. Let me hear that. 
Zacchaeus is one. The, he's a step lower. The Bible says he's the chief of tax collectors. So in talk, talking about status in the world, he has just dropped. And he must have been a small guy. He hops up into a sycamore tree. And here's Jesus with entourage healing people. And then Jesus cry, uh, Jesus calls out and he said, Hey, Zacchaeus, through word of knowledge, he supernaturally knew the guy's name. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house tonight for dinner. That's funny when someone says to you, I'm coming to your place tonight for dinner. It's kind of like a little bit rude, you know what I mean? It's just like, I, I haven't invited you. Maybe I'll invite you, then you can ask, you know. But, uh, but no, no, Jesus kind of put himself out there. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your place tonight for dinner. Now, Zacchaeus gets under conviction and he said, hey, those that I've ripped off, I'll pay back and I'll give extra percentages and that. And, and Jesus said, behold, salvation has come near your home tonight. But you know, the interesting thing is, you know what Jesus was doing? Is saying, Zacchaeus, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed to come to your place. I'm not ashamed to be seen with you. He was bringing honor to Zacchaeus. Uh, how else do I say this? He was bringing esteem and acceptance of an individual was completely despised by Romans and Jews. Chief of tax collectors, he's coming in. That's the Christ we have. And we can be sitting here this morning and think, well, God can't accept me. Oh, yes, he can. He has accepted you. God has accepted everybody. It's whether we have laid down our pride and our rebellion and our independence and have accepted him. He accepted us at the cross. It was paid for. Regardless of the genocides that have gone on, the cruelty that's gone on, and the perversion, the darkness, and the self-sabotaging, the, the, the harming, everything that you could think of that's a horrible, you know, the dark side of life, Jesus, the shame, the embarrassment, Jesus took our shame for us. He was nailed at the cross. This is God now. This is the one that everybody is going to give an account to. This is God. He came through His Son, Jesus Christ, and took our embarrassment, our awkwardness, our pride, our rebellion, our addictions, our drives, our hatred, our despising, our judgments, our prejudice, our racism, all of that. He nailed it to the cross, and when, where there's sin, there's always shame. There are people that literally hate themselves. People are, are full of regrets because of what they've done. And, and things that have happened to us where there's been perpetrators and then we've, we've been off the raw edge and somebody has defiled us and interfered with our lives and hurt us and we grow up to hate them and we begin to hate ourselves, despise ourselves. What was wrong with me that they did that? Why was I singled out? How come that happened to me? Didn't happen to my sisters, but how come me? How come it happened to my, didn't happen to my brothers or it happened to me? All these things, Jesus knows, Jesus understands, and he comes into our life and he knocks on our door. And he says, will you allow me to come in? There's no embarrassment. There's no shame. I can come and take the hurt, the pain, all that's going on in your world, and I can give you a new life. And guess what? I will take it 
I'll take it out. I'll take the sting out of it. I'll take the pain out of it. And do you know what I'll do? I'm going to fill you with so much compassion and so much mercy that you'll even pray. You'll pray, forgive them for they do not know what they did to me. That's compassion. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was on the cross, I probably would say, oh, I remember your face. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Three days time resurrection. Right, I, yeah, I know what he, I remember the clothes. He was wearing that, right, I'll be back. No, no, that's not Jesus. Forgive them. Forgive them. Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, gets up, he's stoned. He says, hey, I see the Messiah sitting up the right hand of the Father. And they ran at him, closed their ears and ran at him, gnashing of teeth. They stoned him to death. And he cries out out of the graciousness and out of the compassion that he had because Jesus had dwelled him. He said, do not hold it against them. Forgive them, Lord. This world is so, this world is so uh, fickle. This world is so, uh, it's so short. It's so short. But when you have a glimpse of the goodness and the compassion and the mercy of God, you begin to see, my goodness, you begin to see perspective. You begin to see perspective. God, it's all about Him and the price that He paid. When it, look, when the resurrection comes, we're not going to be looking at Michael the archangel and say, my goodness, is that the guy, the prince and over, over Israel? Over here there's Gabriel, the messenger, and oh my goodness. No, it's Jesus and His glory, Christ. It's going to be exciting stuff. But the good news is this. We have an opportunity to accept Him inside. And for us who are Christians, we have an opportunity for God to actually come in and break the shackles of rejection, break the fear of rejection. Some of us are programmed to think certain ways, to act certain ways. All it is is a reaction. It's a coping mechanism. But deep down, there's a little boy inside us. Some of our emotions are never growing up, men. We're still retarded. Things happen to us and things were said about us and we shut our soul down. And we've got big statue bodies. But I tell you what, we get into a bit of an argument and we revert. I had a friend of mine, a great friend of mine actually, and I had different traumatic events taking place in his life. But when he got into an argument, he reverted to about a seven, eight, nine, ten year old boy. It was very embarrassing. It was actually quite comical, but it's very, very sad. He'd gone back because he'd never been healed. Some of our girls. It's the same. We've never, we've grown up and we say things like this. Oh, you know, if they don't like me and if they don't like me, that's their problem. <laughs> well, no, it's our problem. If they don't like me, it's, it's their problem. It's like we've grown to be awkward. We've grown to be harsh. We've grown to have this razor edge. Don't get too close to me. I don't need a man. Yes, you do. But it's like, I don't need a man. I don't want a man. Who wants a man? It's because you've got rejection and you've rejected yourself and therefore you're putting all these barriers out. I don't need. It's a coping mechanism. I understand that, but God wants to bring healing. Maybe you're not to be married. Maybe to go to the mission field and to be a martyr or something, you know? I don't know. But maybe not. It's a big, it's a kingpin, it's a kingpin spirit. Ways it gets access, okay. Rejection attacks who we are, our identity. It's very important. 
uh, Jesus, Satan speaking here, if you're the son of God, if you are, if you are the son of God, rocks into bread, identity, if you're the son of God. The Pharisees, the religious order of the time, Jesus, who gave you this authority? Attack at his esteem. That's one of the things that the enemy does, attacks who you are, what you look like. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. Can't put on weight. Uh, I'm too small. I'm too gangly. I'm too tall. People make fun of the way we look. People make fun of our names. People make fun of our family, our brothers and sisters. It's all to attack your identity. People make fun of our nationalities. Oh, you're from that island. Oh, you're from that country. But that's some of us have experienced that. Some of our, us different communities, our forefathers have been incredibly ridiculed, incredibly despised because we look different. We eat differently. We have a different worldview. We dress differently and we listen to different music and marginalized. I tell you, God, Jesus breaks the strength of culture. He does. He breaks racism. He breaks prejudice, sectarianism, and he loves all the world for God so loved. The whole world. It's not pitting one culture against another culture. We're better than them. That's the spirit of this world. We may be able to do different things differently and there might be different strengths, but that doesn't make us better people. Jesus loves everybody. No favoritism, loves, loves. Yeah, I'm a pastor and, I've, you know, and I pray and I read the word of God and I, I, I sacrifice my life and I, I understand sanctification. I meet with the Lord and maybe today you don't even know Jesus. Jesus' love for you is the same. Now, I might be a part of the kingdom of God and he might have some favor around my life and in the sense that, you know, in the sense that you humble yourself, God exalts you. But I'm saying this at the end of the day, your intrinsic worth is exactly the same as mine. My intrinsic worth is exactly the same and your intrinsic worth is exactly the same as Moses and David, King David. It's the same. God loves all of us. And so we should walk as the king's kid. And if you've never given your life to Jesus and you haven't been adopted into the kingdom of God, there's something missing. As a friend, I say there's something missing. You might express all kinds of religiosity and flirt with all sorts of stuff, but I'm telling you at some point, you have to meet God. Not concepts, not ideologies or philosophies or religious order. Put it aside and come and meet the creator, Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand. These things you know. Uh, Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Out of the heart flow the issues of life. If you've got rejection inside of you or the fear of rejection or self-rejection, it will flow out of your tongue. It will flow out of your mouth. We will interpret things a certain way. We try and be somebody that we're not because you're not happy with who you are. You'll try and sing like somebody, try and preach like somebody, try and dress like somebody else. But who are you? Who are you? You're found in Him. Number two, rejection trains our thinking on how to see ourselves and how we see others. Did you know the prodigal son's father was so 
compassionate that he laid down his judgments on his own son and he ran towards the, my Bible version says he fell on his neck, embraced him. But you know what happens? When you've got rejection in your life, you begin to reject others. That's really true. You begin to repel others. And, and then they do something wrong. Oh, yeah, well, they deserved it. Where's the grace? Where's the measure of Jesus? The prodigal son's old man, his dad, do you know what he did? He ran towards him. Had he not been healed up, and it's a picture of Jesus, if you like, with us, he would have had a judgment and said, hey, mate, you think about this. You've squandered uh, your inheritance, number one, and you've been out with girls that are hookers and stuff, number two, or foreign land, number three. And you've got a terrible reputation of your bludgeoned the farm, rep, the ranch reputation. I'm the dad. How do you think I feel? Well, come on in then. No, 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 no. He runs towards, girds up his clothing, runs towards him, falls on his neck, which means a, huh, an embrace, and then gets, gets a ring, sticks it on his finger, which stands for sonship and authority. You're my son. You're my son without prejudice. Oh, isn't God loving? But don't we try hard in life to get acceptance? We try to please our parents, and that's a noble thing, and that's a good thing. We try to, you know, please our mates, but at the end of the day, you are pleasing to God just because you're a human being. You've got to understand that. Some of us here, listen, I know for young guys, this is going right off this afternoon, you will try and be the man. Let me get down a little bit, right? You'll try and be the man, try and press the girls. But you don't have to press the girls. You only have to impress one, the girl you're going to marry. It interprets, remember it trains our thinking, what did they mean by that? Uh, uh, what did they mean by that? Have you heard people do I've heard people, uh, they said that. What, what, what did they mean by that? It's like, excuse me, your rejection showing. Why did he say that? I, I liked everything else, but it was that comment that he made. What do you think he was trying to mean by that? It's reject, catch up. Call the jets, bring them down, it's going to be okay. And even if they mean ill against us, let's have a compassion in return and be the bigger person. What did they mean by that? Who cares? We don't live for them. We're kind to them, we live for him. Why didn't they say hello? If someone disagrees with you, well, that's a big one. It doesn't mean that they don't like you. They hate you. No, it, it, it doesn't mean that just because someone disagrees on the family with you, it doesn't mean that they, they want to start a war with you or your family. It's just that the concepts haven't blended yet. They haven't come together yet. And there may be a right and there may be a wrong and different ideas and stuff. But it, don't take it personally. Things happen, you know, over business deals. We take things personally and, and they don't like me or they've dishonored me. And, but look, Jesus brings honor. And the thing is, we've got to sow honor. It'll come back on us. Uh, how's this one? I told you about this, the atmosphere. Oh, let me just come back on that one. So we, 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 we go to a, a function, maybe a, uh, oh my goodness, a hangout. <laughs> and we go to a hangout and there's this whole thing. Hey, look, let me show you this. I'll forget the hangout. I'll give you something else. <laughs> At the age of uh, 16, true story. At the age of 16 years of age, I was as insecure as some of you. <laughs> no, I was more insecure. I would never go to our youth ministry without going with some other person. I say, Steve, 
I had one of those American Pontiac cars and I'd pick him up. But Steve, you better be there. Because here I am coming by myself. It's embarrassing. Turning up by yourself, you lonely guy. <laughs> How many of you like going to picture theaters by yourself? See, I'm a sanguine. I struggle with that. <laughs> Let's rent a crowd. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I couldn't go to... Um, uh, youth group by myself all the time. I had to have Steve. I had to have a companion, a buddy, a blankie. <laughs> it was true. I had to have a blankie. But anyway, so I went to a camp and I thought this would be good. Could find my wife there. And I thought, who am I going to talk to? This is the absolute truth. Who am I going to talk to? about 150 kids at that camp and I thought mm, am I going to feel in or not so you know what I did I got myself a AB40 in those days and I wrote out conversations yeah I wrote out well if I talk to Tony and Winnie I'll be able to say this if I talk to Charles I'll be able to say so Charles how's work and so how's Edwina Charles all this sort of stuff and it's just like, that's insecurity. Why didn't I just turn up? Because, because I wasn't whole on the inside. I was like having the shotgun at short range and blowing out all the inners away. But what, when, I, when I got saved, though, what a difference. What a difference. The demons of rejection got broken. Demons of self-hatred got broken. All these sorts of things. And God did a work. Now, remember this. It's out of the heart one believes. Think about that. It's out of the heart one believes believes okay so last one it hinders your receiving some of you got dreams big dreams but I'll be that it's not going to happen for me I believe they'll get married but not me maybe I'm going to be shelved so you get a gracious attitude but it's time to believe on the inside the business I can see working for that family but not us I, I see that their kids would get married, but I don't know about my daughter. I'm not sure. Or my son. I don't know. I've got all this, this stuff going. No, it's time to proclaim. It's time to believe. It's time to declare the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.